Today on Talking Sports with Tony V. Russell Wilson is a Bronco. Bobby Wagner is a Ram. And the draft is right around the corner. So what's next? That's coming up on Talking Sports with Tony V. Hey everybody, welcome back to Talking Sports with Tony V. We are at Game Day Sports Shop. This one's in Lakewood. There are two locations. The other one you're familiar with is right north of Lumen Field in uh, Seattle. And that place on a game day is hopping. Now, on this particular day, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some inside information. We're taping this, the Mariner Games on television. And the owner, Kevin, is here and we're here. Everybody else is home watching the game. But they'll be in later. It'll be fine. I promise. Thanks to game day. Sports Shop for giving us the facility today. Bob Condota from the Times will be with us in a minute. I got to say this. There is no sports season on earth longer than the NFL. You know that. It's 12 months a year. It never ends. It is the most magical, uh, charismatic marketing I've ever seen in anything. Politics, international issues, sports, the NFL beats them all. The season starts in early March. When the teams were able to begin the deal, contract extensions, free agent contracts, trades, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't end until Super Bowl Sunday. The big offseason news, obvious this year. Russell Wilson goes to the Broncos. Drew Locke and a couple of first-round picks and lower picks come to Seattle. The big one is number nine in the first round, at least so far, until the draft uh, comes up uh, just a few short days from now. We'll see what uh, John Schneider does. Is he going to find another Cam Chancellor? Earl Tom, all the fans are asking me, is there a Richard Sherman out there? Or wait, is there a Russell Wilson out of Wisconsin that nobody ever heard of who plays baseball too? I don't know. Let's get Bob Condota from the Times on. Bob, I'm sure you're trying to enjoy a few slower weeks until the draft. How's it going? How's the offseason for you? Yeah, no, it's it, it, you, you hit it on the nail there. Uh, nail on the head there. It's, it's, it's uh, the NFL uh tenant never really ends things keep happening as as you know uh, you know the news of russell's trade and, and things like bobby wagner's release and you know just the, the the usual just free agency stuff as well has kept everything pretty busy so um not a whole lot of downtime and obviously it's been a really unique offseason with, with with the trader with the trade of russell no that's that's for sure and i know that you, you i'm sure you're some of your friends all your friends are probably fans you're a fan you talk to fans it was interesting to see the response First of all, on a trade to Russell, that was a huge bomb. Some people expected it. Most did not. And it's funny how the emotions swing back and forth at first. Did you find that more people were saying, oh, for God's sakes, we're sick of him. It's good that he's leaving. Or more people were saying, now what do we do? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I think it's more the latter. I mean, obviously, you know, I think the perception that, um, and especially the team, obviously, is making the point that this was something Russell driven, you know, that he sort of wanted out and all that. And I think that's led to some, led to some understand, understandable anger from fans for sure. Uh, you know, um, kind of similar, uh, it feels similar somewhat to the Alex Rodriguez situation to me. Um, you know, a guy who was really popular, uh, a guy, and then a guy who I think it's felt a little bit, um, you know, forced his way out of town. And so there's always going to be that sort of that anger and bitterness, but you know, I, I think most people still are just fans of the team. And so for sure, but they're, what they're wondering now is, is what do we do now? Um, and who's going to be the quarterback. And I think that's still unclear. And so I think until, you know, sort of the other shoe drops here and what else they're going to do, um, that, um, 
you know, I think fans are understandably going to be wondering, you know, was this a good move? And I think it's going to take years to really know those could be able to answer those questions. But I, you know, I think, I think fans right now, I think that's sort of where you turn to is, is, uh, you know, what's going to happen now. Did you, uh, and I know I've, I've read everything you've written on this topic, but I may have missed this when Aaron Rodgers decided to stay in green Bay with a huge contract, I'm sure it came to you immediately that, Oh my God, here we go. Russell's going to want that kind of money. Uh, what, how much did that have to do with the fact that he got traded? Because there's no way the Seahawks were going to give him that kind of money. Well, it was, I mean, it was instantaneous. I mean, uh, the Aaron Rodgers deal, as announced that he was staying in Green Bay, happened maybe about a half hour before we uh, found out that Russell was being traded. I do think for sure that the aspect, I mean, from the team standpoint, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, they knew it was going to be very difficult to re-sign him to a, to another contract. And that was a huge part of the decision they made, if not, you know, really the most significant part. Um, you know, if you think you're only going to have Russell for two more years and, you know, that last year would be really uncomfortable. Maybe Russell would hold out. I, I still find it, I still find it hard to believe that Russell would have wanted to take the PR hit of holding out. But um, if you were the team, you had to consider that, you know, if you, if you don't think Russell's going to resign to a contract that especially that, you know, it's just going to be, um, you know, kind of awkward and all that, everybody's going to be asking Russell about his future. And, and, you know, but then aside from that, you know, Russell turns 34 in November. If you don't think you're going to have him in two years anyway, um, the time to get rid of him is now and, and try to maximize the resources you're going to get for him. And so I think that was, uh, you know, I think all that tied in, um, you know, not just the money that they would have had to pay Russell. Certainly that would, that would have been a lot to think about, you know, if you were going to pay Russell 50, the 50 million that Aaron Rodgers got, and you would start doing it when he's 36 years old, you know, you would have to sign him to say a four-year contract for 200 and something million dollars, probably for ages 36, 37, 38, 39 of his career, you know, you had to look ahead and, and is Russell going to be the same quarterback when he's at that age? Um, you know, I think, I think, people can, can reasonably sort of, sort of question that a little bit, you know, uh, everybody gets, every athlete, athlete gets a little bit worse as they get older. So um, all that uh, played into it for sure. And, and I think when the, you know, Russell had the no trade clause, which also um, really kind of was a complicating factor here. And, um, you know, supposedly he, he okayed trades to, to, to three teams, I guess. Um, and Denver was sort of the best of all the options. And in terms of what the, they were going to get, you know, they essentially got eight players, um, in return with the five draft picks and the three players that they got. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you just kind of throw all those factors in together. And, and I think it makes a lot more sense than it did, um, in the initial moment when you heard about it. You know, it's really funny, Bob, talking to Bob Condotto, Seattle times, how it's sort of a reverse situation. So the Seahawks draft Russell back in 2012 out of Wisconsin. He's got the rookie salary for the first, uh, for, is it three or four years? i got to think of what that is. Four. The rookie contracts yeah. are four seasons. Yeah. yeah. So he's got the rookie salary first four years. What does he do? He wins a Super Bowl, and he goes to another Super Bowl, and he got him pretty cheap. And then, of course, toward the end of his career, you're just talking possibly 36 to age 40. The most money you got to pay him is during his least productive years. It doesn't make sense, but that's the way it's set up in the NFL. So. Well, all sports, I, I mean, you know, I, you know, Albert Pujols, <laughs> the oh, contract yeah. he got, yeah. you know, 10 years. And, and the, I think the Angels almost immediately regretted that. I mean, uh, many sports are, are, are built that way. And that's that can be a tough thing. That's a really tough bridge, though, that teams have to um, 
kind of walk there because fans always wanted to be like, well, how can you let, I mean, same thing with Bobby Wagner and, and all these guys, um, you know, how can you let these guys go because of all they've done for the team? But you have to think about that. You're not really paying them for what they did. You, you unfortunately have to look at the fact that you, you know, you're paying for what they're going to be down the road. Um, you know, if you resign, if, when you resign a player, you know, you have to think about what it is you're paying for down the road. And uh, you know, that's, one of the things that happened here, uh, you know, was that was what the veterans wanted at the NFL when they did their, when they, when they, uh, when the lockout happened in 2011, you know, when there was that labor deal, that was something the veterans wanted. They wanted the rookie, the rookie salary cap and, and have, the, have, have it structured like that instead of rookies coming in and, you know, guys like uh, uh, Matt Stafford and Sam Bradford and stuff like that were, were coming in and getting huge deals immediately. Yeah. And uh, the, the veterans wanted it to have the money kind of saved for them. But I don't know if it's worked out quite the way they would have thought. Um, but but uh you know um because you're right an awful lot of guys are are playing their best years um not making much of anything and then when they get to that fourth or fifth year you know teams suddenly have to make that decision or whether to re-up them well i think i think what happens though bob and i i mean i understand this it's hard for fans to get emotionally involved in this part but what happens is it really it pretty much evens itself out because russell came in there they had they got him pretty cheap for four years but he brought us a ton and then they had to pay him, so it does balance out. But it's hard at the time for a fan to understand that it balances out, and that's probably what the, uh, you know, what the what the NFL uh, management wanted in the first place. Let me ask you about this: with the draft coming up, uh, all kinds of talk about what the Seahawks will go for. Obviously, with a number nine pick, you keep the number nine. Do you go for a quarterback, uh, Malik Willis, or out of Liberty, or? Uh, Corral out of Kenny Pickett, Corral, one of those guys. Uh, Kenny Pickett's the new Joe Burrow, I guess. I mean, or do you not take that chance on a rookie quarterback? Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the, this isn't regarded as that there's uh, surefire quarterbacks that, you know, people are people are all in agreement are going to be really good, like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence the last couple of years who went first overall, which the Seahawks wouldn't be able to get that anyway. But this isn't regarded as being as strong and deep of a quarterback class. So that's that's a great question. I my hunch would be that they that they um, trade down and, you know, if they could trade nine and get two picks and, and, you know, maybe get 15 and get, you know, 35 or something like that. I think, I think this is kind of that kind of draft where you might be better off um, doing that, moving down and getting, uh, getting a lot of picks, um, you know? Uh, so uh, I, I don't know that any of the, I think quarterbacks are going to go quarterbacks always tend to go higher than you think they are. So even though I think, I think a couple months ago, I don't know that any of the guys you mentioned were regarded as being first round picks, but now you get to the draft and teams have, you know, there's three or four teams like the Seahawks that have obvious quarterback needs. And so you think that maybe Carolina or, um, you know, some of the other teams that really have, uh, have needs at quarterback, might go ahead and do that. So um, Atlanta, you know, some of the teams that, that have, uh, but like Atlanta suddenly has a quarterback uh, situation, obviously having gotten rid of um, having, having traded Matt Ryan. So, um, you know, I think some of those guys are going to go there, but um, you know, and we know the Seahawks appear, uh, appear to have a lot of interest in Desmond Ritter out of, out of Cincinnati as well. So, um, you know, for sure, I, I think it's going to, it's going to be really fascinating to watch and see exactly what they do. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is. Let me ask you this. So many uh, of your friends and my friends do this for a living They've got the big drafts, Rob Rang, and one guy that comes to mind that 
was sort of local. I'm not sure where Rob is located now, but I know uh, that. Yeah, he's, no, he's not at Tacoma. Yep. Yeah, so uh, it was always a good guy. And then, of course, the, the ESPN folks. Do you have a, do you do the mock draft thing at all? Or are you too busy working? No, yeah, no. I, it, I've i always, every year I've done a, uh, I do a, uh, a, a Seahawks mock draft. So I just do, um, I pick every pick for the Seahawks. And, in fact, I, I probably will. Um, have that in our paper and online sometime next week is, is when I was aiming for that. And then we always do um, a bunch of us at the paper go ahead and put together a uh, mock draft of just the first round. But, um, you know, a lot of years doing a Seahawks draft is obviously sort of uh, is is a little more um, kind of more challenging because they don't have high picks. You know, so yeah. if they're starting a lot of the years when they've their first picks been midway through the second round or something like that. Um, it makes it a little different to do. But this year, I think there's a lot of interest in the draft because of uh, the fact that the Seahawks have the ninth pick and you know, it's going to be somebody that, uh, you know, they're not going to be picking someone at nine that nobody's heard of before. Uh, you know, everybody's going to, if they do use the ninth pick, it's going to be some, somebody that everybody's heard of before. Well, actually for, you know, for a guy that's been at it for a number of years as you have, and other guys that cover the NFL, this is, I would guess a refreshing change from the past, obviously the past couple of years when, first of all, you're not in person at the draft. And secondly, the Seahawks, uh, didn't have a first round pick, so there wasn't much interest in that first round. So it does add to it a little bit, even though it's your work and it's your job. It's all about being, uh, you know, extra, a little extra jacked up because they've got the first round pick. Let me ask you about some of the um, NFL rule changes, the overtime rule in the playoffs, which I think is way overdue. The one that allows the team that scored upon to actually score, uh, how long overdue was that decision? <laughs> yeah, it'll be, I, you know, it's just for the playoffs. So it's right. not, you know, nothing's going to change in the regular season, but yeah, I, I think people just feel like, uh, you know, especially some of the playoff games we've seen and um, quickly the last few years, uh, you know, it's always just felt like, well, especially when you get to the playoffs that it shouldn't be just a coin flip that decides, you know, who gets, you know, you know that it's, it's, kind of just feels a lot of these games decided by, by kind of uh, luck, you know, by getting the coin flip. And obviously it's more than that because you still got to take the ball and drive it down the field and all that. And so I, I think there's a reasonable argument that could be made there, but you know, I still feel like, uh, you know, the NFL, if nothing else, I think they felt like, uh, you know, I was at the league meetings when they, um, um, passed this a couple of weeks ago and, and when Rich McKay and, um, you know, the guys from the NFL who were part of the competition committee and talked about it. And, you know, they really talked about just kind of feeling for the fans, you know, that like these, so I think that, you know, the Kansas city Buffalo game was such a great game last year. Yet. I think a lot of people when the game ended felt a little empty, like, Oh man, it's too bad. Josh Allen didn't get a shot to come back and, you know, let, test his skill one more time, you know, and see if maybe he could pull something out here. So, um, you know, I think the NFL, um, uh, you know, the, the games, uh, playoff games, maybe are going to last a little bit longer if, if that happens too. And they may not mind that either, that you throw a few more commercials in there yeah. at the end of games when you got millions of people watching. That was, yeah, that was, that was disappointing to a lot of people, obviously to the, to, uh, you know, to the losing team more than ever. But um, it seemed like, it almost seemed like if it was like me and my sister were at Dairy Queen and she got an ice cream and I didn't. So it just didn't say, I don't know how that compares to that, but I thought I'd bring it up. Hey, two more questions, Bob. We'll let you go. Uh, Bobby Wagner. Uh, he of course is, has always been motivated. He's always been a businessman. He, he did his own contract. How much is motivation going to make a difference when the Rams play the Seahawks uh, twice next year? He physically can still do the job. Uh, he might be a little bit slower, but is it, does it mean that much to a guy to come back and play his old team, especially when he feels slighted 
that they kind of dropped him and didn't let him know except through social media. Yeah. I, my, here's my controversial take on that. I don't know that a guy like Bobby Wagner has ever lacked for motivation. So I don't know how much mo- more motivated he can be. Right. I mean, True. I, guess, I guess I never know what that means. He's going to study harder. I mean, Bobby Wagner was <laughs> already known for being the guy as you know, um, you know, who showed up at 5.00 AM every day during the season and watched more film than anybody. So I, maybe it means he shows up at 4.00 AM, I guess when they oh, play the Seahawks next year or whatever. But I, so I, I always sort of take that with a grain of salt a little bit. I mean, it sounds good going into the game and all that, but you know, I never really know what that means. I, I've never known Bobby, you know, Nobody's ever questioned Bobby Wagner or, you know, guys like Richard Sherman who came back or, or, um, you know, when Marshawn came back, um, whatever, you know, I, I don't know how much harder these guys can try than they already are trying. Yeah, so, good point. Um, but it's a, it's a good storyline for sure. And, and, and we'll all be watching it. You know, that that's another one where, you know, the Seahawks are going to be paying Bobby Wagner, um, you know, an 18 million cap hit this year. Um, you know, he's, the reality is he's going to make a little bit less with the Rams. And so I, you know, I don't know that the, I don't know that the NFL disagrees with the Seahawks sort of valuation of where Bobby is in his career right now. And that goes back to what we were kind of saying earlier a little bit about just, um, you know, uh, it's, it's the, it's the harsh reality of the business, but you do have to look at the player you're paying for now. And that, you know, uh, you're not necessarily paying for what they did in the past. So, um, you know, it, for sure. I, I think all of those, I think Bobby will be very motivated to show everybody that he's still the same player and can be that same player and that he, he should be still uh, regarded as one of the highest paid linebackers in the, in, in the NFL. But conversely, I've just never felt like, um, you know, motivation was Bobby Wagner's issue. So yeah. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what that necessarily means, I guess. No, I, and I like that. I love your take on that. Cause I agree with you. That is a, uh, that's kind of a sports talk show question. And, and I threw it out there, uh, uh, hoping for the answer that I got. Uh, and real quickly, uh, DK Metcalf, uh, stay or go? This is just a prediction you're going to make. Uh, I, I think I think they'll figure out a way to make this work. Um, but, you know, the, another thing that's just all about NFL finances, you know, I think people now are saying that, um, you know, he's going to be in the market for a contract around $25 million a year. And, and so that's the question that, you know, is that the best use of uh, your financial resources to pay a receiver that much money? And especially maybe if you are going in a slightly different direction with what you're doing offensively and you don't know who you know, with the quarterback and stuff like that. But I, I do feel like, you know, he's 24. Um, he's going into the peak of his career. Um, I think they'll figure out a way to get to, to make that work and um, um, have that happen. And, you know, from DK standpoint, you got to remember, uh, you know, he, he suffered the neck injury his last year at Ole Miss or uh, at Ole Miss, and he wasn't necessarily sure if he had a football future. So I, I, I sort of feel like there's a win-win here where I think if they can give DK, DK that sort of life, um, life-changing life and, and setting up for the rest of your life money here uh, before he plays another game in his fifth se- uh, fourth season in the NFL and secure him for another three or four years beyond that, um, I think that would be the best thing for everybody. So I do I do feel like they this will probably get worked out. Bob, before I let you go, two questions. Questions. Our poll questions we do every week, uh, and that is what what is your greatest sports moment as a participant? It can be anything. It could be a wiffle ball match. It can be a high school championship. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're a karate champion. I don't know okay. about it. Yeah, I, I I have to admit I wasn't much of an athlete. I don't know that I have anything incredibly great like that. Um, you know, uh, other than some high school golf and whatever, but uh, uh, nothing incredibly uh, nothing incredibly great, I guess. Okay, but, well, um, 
That, but the, no. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't no, know. that's fine because I got mine. Uh, mine's from a wiffle ball game, so that so I you know. Okay. You're in the same boat, and the fact that I would even talk about it is kind of pathetic. But anyway, uh, and last, having covered everything you covered, what stands out as the number one event that you have ever covered? Well, I probably I, uh, I'm going to say two if I can. Uh, being a guy who grew up in the state of Washington and. and and then uh, went to high school in Seattle, and so sort of always considered myself a fan of all the teams. I I can still remember listening to the first Mariner game on the radio and listening to the first Seahawk preseason game on the radio, which you had to do. You couldn't watch it on TV, but I still remember uh, you know the, the the first preseason game against the 49ers, where a guy named Jim Zorn that nobody ever heard of was uh, leading, leading this comeback, and I think he was tackled at the one or two yard line trying to tie the game on the final play, and everybody was excited from the start. Um, so the fact that I got to as as an adult um, then got to cover the Seahawks actually winning the Super Bowl, which was something that in 1976 seemed so unfathomable it could happen, but yeah. did they get to cover that? And then and then with the Mariners as well, I, I was lucky enough to cover most of uh, most of the 1995 season, including all the playoffs and, go, and getting to go on the road and stuff like that. Um, and so seeing that happen as well, same thing where, you know, just for as a kid going to a lot of Mariner games with 3,000 people, you know, um, in, in the 1980s when, when it seemed like there was no hope of anything and you worried that the team was leaving and, and then to see that happen so those two things will always stand out as, as kind of the highlights of my career. All right, Bob. Outstanding. Thanks again for joining us, taking a few minutes. Uh, hopefully I'll see you either at the draft or sometime in the early uh, uh, first workouts of April and May. Uh, again, have a great week, and thanks for being with us. Okay. Yep. Thanks a lot, Tony. Okay. There it is. Here he is, Bob Condota, joining us on our sport, Talking Sports with Tony V from Game Day Sports Shop. In Lakewood, Rohit, before we go, I want to give you a chance. We haven't uh, haven't heard from you at all because I didn't ask you any questions. So, uh, <laughs> but I want to get Bob's take on all that stuff. Uh, I love the fact that he uh, answered the one about motiva- motivation for Bobby Wagner, like, as if the guy could possibly be more motivated than he ever was in a regular game. I'm sure there'd be some level of satisfaction if he's able to come back and beat the Seahawks. Though that's what I kind of meant by that. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always a, a sweet spot getting traded or, you know, released a, as a free agent in, in this case. Um, and then, yeah, going back, playing in the in the old stadium and, you know, he's going to get a standing ovation sure. and then he's going to be motivated to show the Seahawks, hey, this is what you let go of. Yeah. Yep. No, I think it's true. And, I, and uh, you know, the fact that you uh, I mean, there's no way the Seahawks could control that he signed with a team in their same division, a team that's probably favored to not only win that division, but maybe go on to another Super Bowl. Yeah. And then you got to play them twice. So that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Anyway, it's been fun to talk about the team and the league that is never out of the news. And in uh, future uh, podcasts, we will pick up where we left off. I do want to close with a couple things. One is my favorite sports quote of the week, we're going to call it, and that comes from Yogi Berra, and it is, a baseball quote because we are in the beginning of the Mariner season and the MLB season. And Yogi really said this when someone asked him how important or how difficult is hitting in the major leagues. And he said hitting is 90% mental. The other half is physical. He really did say that. A lot of things were attributed to him, but that is one of his actual quotes. And here's another one, the thought for the day. Before we close, stay strong as you live your life and remember your blessings no matter what circumstances you face. For Rohit, I'm Tony Ventrella from Game Day Sports Shop. That 
is Talking Sports with Tony V. We'll see you next time.